ever had a single moment in your life, a moment that changed everything. It's turning 16 and finally getting to drive for the first time. It's your wedding day, knowing you're spending the rest of your life with one special person. It's the day you first look into your child's eyes. It's the day you realize they're all grown up. Life is made up of moments that change everything. But there is one moment that touched everyone's life the same. One moment in time that will touch your life, your children's lives, and their children's lives. One moment that will forever go down in history as the moment that changed everything. Good morning. Happy Resurrection. One day in my life changed everything. 16 years ago, three families had moved from Seattle, Washington to Central Florida to start the City Church. And I want you to know today, I am so grateful for the journey the Lord has taken us on over these last 16 years. And you're here today to celebrate with us. And this is a great party for Jesus. And we just want to give Jesus a great big resurrection hand this morning. Can you do that with me this morning? I want to take you so far back right now, right? You know, they do flashback Fridays. Something Saturday. Well, I'm going to go so far back Sunday. We're going to just take a few, few moments. We're going to look at some pictures from our very first service 16 years ago. This is our first public prayer. Uh, I was uh, presiding at that moment over an, uh, an event that we were doing that Saturday, the day before Easter, on April 3rd, 1999. And uh, this is the event that we were hosting. We're having our first annual Easter egg hunt on Resurrection Weekend. And uh, it was an exciting day. We had about 250 people show up. Our next picture here is uh, some of the original team, very first people that moved with us. There's still a couple in there beside my wife and I that are still part of this team, Hank and Joyce Shower. They've been on the journey, are in and around, in and out, but they are back with us. Can we give them a great big hand for coming all the way from Seattle to helping make this dream possible? This is our first greeting team. There we go. First greeting team, two people on our greeting team. This is our first tech team. One guy. <laughs> Our first worship experience in Altamont Springs at the old General Cinema. We actually had 60 people there. We had about 18 well-wishers from Seattle. We had 11 people that we hired. So we had just a handful of people from the community. But look what the Lord has done. Come on, can you give God a big hand? 16 years of bringing God's love to the city. I want to talk to you today about Easter changed everything. Easter changed everything. You know, my mom loved holiday traditions. She loved Easter. She loved Christmas. This picture here is from Easter Sunday, 1971. And Easter Sunday, 1971, my mom was a church lady, and she wore the hat. Some of you, old, some of you older timers remember when the ladies used to wear and some still do. But uh, my mom always wore a hat during this time of year, and, and she had us all dressed up. I had my Sunday best on, and... And uh, it looks really, really nice, doesn't it? You know, they say a picture paints 
or tells a thousand words. But sometimes it doesn't tell the right words or the whole story. Sometimes a picture will tell a story, but it's not the whole story. Because it was at this time in my family's life that things were starting to brew internally. There was turmoil taking place in the relationship between my mom and dad. And over the next several years, things would be full of animosity and all kinds of anger. And things would take place that would cause me, by the time I was 11 years of age, to start to become very bitter. And it took me down a journey and it took me down a trail for the next 10 years of my life where it led me to a place of brokenness, a place of hurt. You know, Resurrection Weekend today, Resurrection Weekend today, around the world, around the world, there are over a billion people that will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. You see, 2,000 years ago, Easter changed everything. Easter changed everything, and today we declare that the resurrection of Jesus is the power over sin, the power over Satan, and the power over death. Today, Jesus, Jesus is living the words that he promised in John chapter 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Did you hear that today? They that believe in him will never die. Do you believe this? Easter changes everything, starting with me and you. Easter changes everything in our life. Why are you here today? Maybe you got a postcard or you got an invite from a friend or maybe you're a regular attender. You know, 2,000 years ago, there was this man named Jesus. He lived a very short time on planet Earth. As a matter of fact, his time on earth was only 32 or 33 years. He spent actually three years of doing public ministry. That original group of people that Jesus called to be his disciples, those original 12 men multiplied to 120 and then 500 and then thousands. And 2,000 years later, there's over a billion people on planet earth that publicly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, can you give God a big hand? See, this day 2,000 years ago changed everything. And because Easter changed everything, I don't have to live with guilt and shame. I don't have to live any longer with guilt and shame. If I was to go around the room and give you a piece of paper, and you were to write out just a little list of would'ves, could'ves, and should'ves. I mean, that list could grow really long, really quick. If you're a business person, maybe you've missed an opportunity. Maybe you were a mom and, you know, you missed an opportunity to be at a child's event. Maybe there's an, a, something that you should have done that you neglected. You know, we've all got things in our life that really bring regret. You know, we should have done that, could have done that. I tell you people all the time, those three words shouldn't be even in your vocabulary because they don't make any sense. They don't lead anywhere. The fact is today, guilt can be a good thing if it leads to to the right cure. But for many people, guilt and shame robs them of the peace of mind that God desires to have for their life. You see, we guilt ourselves many times when we don't deal with it properly, when we don't deal with the shame of our past and of our failures. We guilt ourselves into not trying to do something so we feel so bad and we end up doing it again and again. We find ourselves on the insanity train. Addictions, anger, and loneliness often have their, have their roots in guilt and shame. Often have their roots in guilt and shame. And we find ourselves hurt. We find ourselves in a place of frustration. Many times we try to punish ourselves. 
You know, I've seen this happen in my own life. And we feel like, you know, we're not worthy. And we feel so, uh, so bad about ourselves. And so we hurt ourselves by doing the things that we don't want to do. We find that cycle continuing. We grovel and cry and say, God, why did I do this? Change me. Help me. You know, the, the enemy of your life today can get you stuck on that crazy train of guilt and shame. He can rob you from success and from significance and from living a life of fulfillment and peace with God. I heard of a woman recently when she was pregnant. During her months of pregnancy, she continued the party lifestyle. She drank abusively. And when her child was born, her child was born with fetal alcohol syndrome. And, and the guilt and the shame every time she looked at her baby. And as her child grew, she, she would see her child struggling with just trying to do the basic things of life, feed herself and put her clothes on. And, and there was so much guilt in her life. There was so much shame for her past. And so her response to that was to try to self-medicate. And so she filled her life with things. She filled her, her life with stuff, with things that were destructive to her. But her drug of choice became food. And she found herself at one point completely completely obese and extremely overweight. And one day, by the grace of God, one day, by the grace of God, someone invited her to a Celebrate Recovery. And there at Celebrate Recovery, she heard the stories of how God changes us. She heard the principles of truth that set us free. And over the coming months and years, she began to apply those principles in her life. And, and over a period of time, God, as he was changing her life, began to change her, not just externally, but God began to change her internally. And her life went from no hope to full of hope. Her life went from, from self-hate to full of love. And as God was doing that work in her life, she realized that she was trying to self-medicate with food. God began to speak to her about freedom and living the life of abundance, and He could fill her life. She didn't have to go into the refrigerator and keep opening the door, wondering if there was something in there that was going to fill the vacuum in her life. No, Jesus was filling the vacuum of her life. And over the next years, she went on a program and through celebrate recovery and through confessing her sin and having brothers and sisters that would come alongside her, she found that she lost over 100 pounds and she was completely free from the addictions and the bondages that held her down. Come on, can you give God a great big hand? You ask, well, how did that happen? You know that how that happened today? Because 2,000 years ago, Easter changed everything. And Jesus went to the cross. The Bible says that He took the penalty of our sin. He took the punishment of our sin. And He declared, it is finished. See, amen. Give God a big hand. Paul the Apostle said, you were dead because of your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. He took it away. He took your shame. He took your guilt. And he declared, it is finished. I got some good news for you today. You can be free from shame. You can be forgiven of your guilt. 2,000 years ago, Easter changed everything because easter changed everything i don't have to live in fear of death do you know they say that uh, outside of public speaking death is the greatest fear that we face in our life we all experience it 
We all know that we are going to breathe our last breath at some point in our journey along this life. You know, this week I had I was confronted with this reality of death and and the and having two people that I knew personally pass away. Two people went on to their eternal reward. The first one over here is on your right-hand side, my left side, represented by this Easter lily, was a young man by the name of Gavin Santos. Gavin Santos was 10 years of age, and he had been battling a long-term illness, and he succumbed to that. I didn't know this week. I, had, I didn't know that that had happened, and, and I was in here in this auditorium on Tuesday morning, and I was texting some pastor friends, telling them that I was pay, praying for them, and uh, I texted Jamie, his father, and I said, Jamie, I want you to know that I'm praying for you today. How's your son doing? He said, Pastor Eugene, my son passed away at 12.35 this morning. I was completely overwhelmed. The emotion. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I didn't realize that he was that close to death. And he said, it's okay, Pastor. Because I know that I'm going to see my son again. <laughs> uh, this week, one of our members, long-term members and attenders here at City Church, Virginia Maya, 96 years of age, last Sunday, sometime after church here, she took her last breath, and she went to eternity to be with Jesus. I want you to know today, I have hope today to see them again. Do you know why? Because Easter changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus is real. The Bible says the Son also became flesh. For only as human beings could He die. And only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set us free from all who've lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. World religions and world leaders try to address this issue of death and afterlife. And many secularists in our culture try to deal with it. The way that the secularists would deal with it or the atheists or the agnostic would just say, you die, you die. Annihilation. There's nothing after this. There's just this moment, just this breath. So eat, drink, and be buried. Live life the way that you want to live. World religions like Buddhism and Hinduism, they deal with it in the concept of reincarnation. You know, good karma, bad karma. And if you live enough good karma in your life, you'll come back maybe as a good person. Maybe you don't have, if your karma isn't so good, you might come back as a cockroach, but you'll come back in the next life. Jehovah Witnesses deal with this, and by believing there's only 144,000 that are going to make it into heaven, everyone else will be annihilated. I want you to know, Jesus, what Jesus declares, that we will live forever. Do you believe this? Paul the Apostle talking about our heavenly bodies, talking about living for eternity, calling it immortality. And 1 Corinthians says this, When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is victor today. Jesus conquered sin. Jesus conquered Satan. Jesus conquered death and the grave by rising again on the third day. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? The resurrection of Jesus is real. The resurrection of Jesus is real. And it gives us our hope of heaven. It gives us our hope of heaven. There's a yearning. There's a desire. There's a longing in every single one of us today. 
Jesus said it like this in John chapter 14. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. A young man had just died. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples and those who are around him. He says, don't be, heart, don't be troubled of heart. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. The promise of eternity. The promise of heaven. The promise of spending our lives with God forever and ever. Jesus promised it. Listen, if Jesus promised that death couldn't hold him down, that he would rise from the dead on the third day, and he conquered sin, he conquered Satan, he conquered self-destructive behaviors, he conquered self-medication, he conquered guilt and shame. If he made that promise, do you know today his promise of coming again is real? We are going to live forever with him. Because Easter changed everything 2,000 years ago. I now have God's spirit living in me. Now God's Spirit is living in me. He's not just the great Spirit out there. He's the Holy Spirit of God. Because we put our faith in Jesus, we put, because we put our hope in Him, and He's forgiven us. He's forgiven us. We now have His Spirit within us today. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. By this same Spirit living within you. The Spirit of God. He lives in you today. The moment you say yes to Jesus, His Spirit comes and lives within inside of you. It's why when you make wrong choices, it's right. Why when you do old patterns and old behaviors that you know are wrong, outside of God's will in your life, that you feel bad. Do you know why? Because you've grieved the Holy Spirit. You've grieved God's Spirit that lives within inside of you. So there are two benefits today. There are benefits today to having God's Spirit living in you. The first one is the unconditional love of the Father. The Father loves you today. The Father has a plan for you today. The Father has purpose for your life today. But I want you to hear this today. The Father loves you unconditionally. Jesus said it like this. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. If you don't know God today, you don't have that assurance that you're really His child. To me, it's one of the greatest benefits of knowing that I have a Heavenly Father. That I have a Heavenly Father who loves me unconditionally. Even when I mess up, even when I make mistakes, He's constantly there for me. The Bible says that He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You know, so many, of our cha- so many of our challenges in life surround this identity of fatherhood. Having a father, having a bad father, not having a father. You know, we, we, we've all had struggles in life. At some point, at many times, many times people find themselves searching for fulfillment and meeting because they've never had a right relationship, not just with their heavenly father, but with their earthly father. You know, I, I think of this... Uh, this, this weekend, I was, I was finishing the second service yesterday, a woman walked out of the door, and she had a little tiny girl with her, about four or five years of age. And as she was walking out the door, tears were coming down her face. 
She said, Pastor, I want you to know that this is my grandchild. My grandchild is a byproduct of rape, and she'll never know her father. She says to me almost every single day, when am I going to meet my dad? How come I don't have a dad like all the other kids? And I begin to talk to her about the hope in Jesus. I begin to talk to her about helping find someone who can really help this child understand this issue in her life of not having a father. But she's not the only child that's had to deal with this. There was a little boy. His name is Timmy Smith. Timmy Smith was 11 years of age when things changed in his world. You see, he grew up. His, his daddy was Horace. His, his mom was Betty. And his father had a bad problem with drinking and abusing Betty. And he grew up in this environment of anger and hostility and frustration. And as Timmy grew up, he, he, he was very angry and very mad. One day he was, he was digging through some boxes. His parents had gotten divorced at the age of nine. And for the next two years, he and his mom, they'd bounce from house to house, from neighborhood to neighborhood. His mom was just trying to figure out how to exist and try to, how to make it in this world. When he was 11 years of age, he went into a closet and he found this box. He was looking for early Christmas presents, <laughs> like a little kid sneaking around trying to find Christmas presents. And he opened this box and inside this box he found his birth certificate. And as he began to read his birth certificate, he found down at the bottom where the name of his father was. It wasn't Horace Smith, it was Tim McGraw, the baseball player. And he was really shocked. He, he, he just like, what is this? I thought my dad was Horace Smith. He sees this name, Tim McGraw. Now, if you don't know who Tim McGraw, if you're a younger generation, in the 1970s, Tim McGraw was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. And was that, I mean, Tug McGraw, sorry. Tim, Tim, Tim McGraw was one of the best baseball players in professional baseball. What did I say? Tug McGraw. Come on, give me a break here. Four times. <laughs> Doug McGraw. In 1973, he took the New York Mets to the World Series. He went on and played for the Philadelphia Phillies. He was an incredible ball player. Incredible. When Timmy was 11 years of age. He wrote a letter to Tug and he said, can I meet you? And so Tug agreed to meet this little boy. And he met him. And when he saw this little boy, he just rebuffed him. He said, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know your mom. I don't want anything to do with you. For the next seven years, this little boy, Timmy Smith, wrote letter after letter after letter. And this man, Tug, just didn't respond, didn't answer. But when little Timmy Smith turned 17, he wrote one last letter and said, I really, really want to meet you. Tug opened up just a crack, and he said, okay, I'm playing at this ballpark. I'm going to be staying at this hotel. I'll meet you in the lobby. When little Timmy Smith, now who was a strapping, good-looking, handsome, athletic 17-year-old, walked to the door, when he walked to the door, Tug knew that this was his boy. He knew it. He looked at him, and he embraced him. The tug was not a perfect man. As a matter of fact, he was a womanizer and had all kinds of issues in his life. But when Timmy Smith read his, met his real father, his life was changed. Because he was no longer Timmy Smith. He was now Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw, the famous country western singer. What happened? What happened to Timmy Smith? He got a new identity. He became a new person. I mean, you can read the story. Everything I told you is true. You can Google it online. It's, it's a true story. <laughs> you know, you look at me today. My name is Eugene Roy Smith, and I'm the pastor here at City Church. Started the church with my wife and family and two other couples 16 years ago. But that's not who I am. My name is Junior Smith. That's how I see myself. You know, I grew up as a, as a, a, a junior. 
dad was Eugene Roy Smith Sr. I was Eugene Roy Smith Jr. I grew up as a junior. And I see myself differently than other people, just like you see yourself. As a matter of fact, my sisters, when they call me on the phone, and I talk to almost all my sisters. I have four of them now. I talk to them almost every week. They call me Junior. <laughs> Don't call me Eugene because that's not who I am. I'm Junior Smith. And Junior Smith at the age of 11 had some challenges. I had some fatherhood challenges. My heart became embittered and very angry towards my dad. Because of that anger and bitterness in my life, it separated me from my Heavenly Father. And I went on a journey. I went to places and did things that uh, today I have no pride in. Because I want you to know today, Junior Smith Hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. 